It's time for ROTD Weekend. Back when I was a teenager and then sort of first living on my own, I used to spend a lot of time with my Baba. That is my mom's mom, my Ukrainian grandmother, who was an incredible cook. I've learned so much from her. But one of the things that we used to do all the time was just talk about cooking. I would show up at her house after school and she would make me snack and then dinner and she would say, oh, Christy, you wouldn't believe what I saw on Emerald today. He did this thing where he was breading his fish, and before breading it, he seasoned the flour. I've never seasoned the flour before. And I was like, I don't season the flour either. And she's like, so I tried it. I tried it last night, and it makes a huge difference. You've got to season the flour as well as the breadcrumbs, and you get all this extra flavor. So this is my baba telling me what she learned on Emerald, and then I learned it from her, and now I season my flour when I'm breading fish. And this was just a thing that happened all the time is that we would, of course, cook together, but also sit at the table in her kitchen drinking tea and talk about cooking, talk about the delicious thing that we made, how we made it, not about like how good it tasted, but like what we did. And so this has been a running theme of my life. And I, you know, think it's really fantastic that this has turned into a career and that I now have this podcast where I essentially do that with you, right? I am telling you how to make something. I'm telling you why, giving you tips. And in doing so, you get a recipe, but you also learn something new. And I have decided that I want to bring that aspect of the way I learned to cook from my baba sitting and having tea with her in her kitchen. I want to bring that to this show. And so going forward, when I do the interview conversation with somebody wonderful from the culinary world, as I do every Saturday, I want them to tell me about a recipe, how they make it, and I want to learn from them and ask them questions about why they do the things they do so that I can learn and I can become a better cook. And also, you're listening so you can learn and become a better cook, learn from a variety of people as well. Now, I wanted to try this out after having the idea because I wasn't entirely sure if it was going to work. And so the first person that I wanted to be my guinea pig, the person that I'm going to try this out on is good friend of the pod, best-selling cookbook author, Emily Pastor of West of the Loop. You know her books, Epic Air Fryer, Instantly Mediterranean. I will put the links in the show notes for this podcast episode. She's a wonderful recipe developer. Her recipes always work. They're always delicious. They're detailed and they explain things so well. So I know that she is perfect to be, as I said, my guinea pig for this new style interview. I am so excited. I don't know what recipe she's picked. Well, of course, as I'm recording this for you now, I know because I already recorded my conversation with Emily, but in the moment, the conversation that you're going to be listening to, I do not know ahead of time what recipe Emily has picked, so I don't have any questions prepared. It's just on the fly. And so if you want to go and get yourself a cup of tea, pretend that you are sitting in your grandmother kitchen or my grandmother's kitchen or Emily Pastor's kitchen, and we are learning from her how to make something delicious. We are going to become better cooks, and we're going to learn, and it's going to be really, really fun. Okay, here is our first ever one of these episodes, my conversation with Emily Pastor. Welcome back. 
Hey, Christine, thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited because um, I'm doing something a little bit different in this episode. And I knew that I wanted you to be the first person that I do this new format interview with. We will do that in a little bit. First, tell me what has been going on in your cooking world? Have you been doing anything exciting lately? Well, uh, this past weekend, I just taught a few culinary classes at the Chicago Botanic Garden, where I usually teach. Um, So that was really fun. One of them was a a class on meze, actually. So, okay, what exactly is meze? Great question. The students also had that question. What I tell people is everyone seems to know what tapas is these days. Mm Um, And I think people also know that tapas is Spanish. But what people may not know is that that sort of very similar tradition, this tradition of like small plates, you know, sharing, maybe it's like what you eat before dinner, maybe it turns into dinner, but just this idea of small plates that you share with friends over a glass of something. It really happens all around the Mediterranean, not just in Spain, mm-hmm. and they just have different names for it. So in the Middle East, it's called meze. In Spain, it's called tapas. In Venice, it's called chichetti. My mm. Italian is non-existent, but <laughs> so it's basically that same idea as tapas. It's it's small plates. It's for sharing. There could be cold things, hot things, dips, uh, spreads, maybe little pastries, you know, maybe something a little heartier, like maybe like a little meatball. Though this class ended up, uh, the one I did on Sunday, the meze class, it happened to all be a vegetarian menu for the class, which was interesting because a young couple came up to me after the class and thanked me because they said it's hard to find cooking classes with a vegetarian menu. So something I'm filing away for later. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I want to go back to like the definitions of this for a second. So you said it's like small plates, often before dinner. Is it something that people do all the time or like special occasions, Saturday out for a drink? Or is it kind of your daily like, oh, we're going to have some of these and then we'll have dinner after? How does that work? You know, it varies. It could be all of those things. So it could be just after work, almost more like what we would call happy hours. So, you know, on the way home from work before heading home for dinner, you stop, you meet a friend, you have one or two of these dishes and a glass. It could be that simple. Mm-hmm. It could also be a way to entertain so that if you were inviting people to your home, you would just put out this sort of spread of these, you know, salads and cold dishes and little things. And people just can help themselves. The idea that the host would then join them as well, you know, so hopefully it's things you can prepare in advance. And it can take all of those forms. It can be in a restaurant. It can be in the home. It can be a special occasion. It can be a daily, you know, just something you would meet a friend. And if you were going to like do some meze at home for some people coming over, are there guidelines about like what to choose, what bases you should cover? Or actually maybe even the menu that you did for the class sort of span that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So we did, I did three things in the class and one of them was a stuffed date. So just a date stuffed with some Marcona almonds and a little bit of either goat cheese or blue cheese, sort of depending. And you can warm those up for five minutes in the oven and drizzle them with some honey or not. Mm. So that's something that's, you know, something super simple, like a finger food, right? Yeah. Love it. One of the other dishes, a little bit heartier was a halloumi, 
which I know you know what that is, Christine, but for the listeners, halloumi is um, like a squeaky cheese that doesn't melt when you heat it up or grill it. So it kind of holds its shape. Um, so it's excellent for the grill uh, or the stovetop. And this was with um, roasted grapes, so which is really seasonal right now. And if your listeners have never had roasted grapes, guys, go roast some grapes. Mind blowing. So you roast these grapes for 30 minutes in the oven, which is super hands off. And then when they're done, you pan sear some halloumi, which takes, you know, minutes max. Mm-hmm. You put it over the roasted grapes, drizzle it with some really good balsamic vinegar or pomegranate molasses. If you happen to have that in your pantry, that's a very Middle Eastern ingredient, you know, little fresh herbs, boom. So that's a, like a more of like a hot dish, mm-hmm. but still very easy to prepare. And then the last dish was the Greek dip scordalia, which is like a mashed potato dip. You're nodding. I, can... I know. Well, I don't. I don't know. nodding, you guys. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, Emily. But maybe when I I lived in Toronto for ten years before moving to Florida, and we lived in Greek Town. So like everything that you're talking about was just like in the markets and in every single restaurant on that street. So yes, the Scardelia, they actually, you know what? Halloumi was not a huge thing when I lived there. The Is it Saganaki? Do you know that cheese? Yeah, I think that they use the same cheese to make the Saganaki maybe. But right, the Saganaki is when it's like on fire or yeah, flambe. Yeah, but it always seemed to get a little melty, I thought. But you think that the Saganaki is the name of like the technique or the dish and that they're using the halloumi cheese in it? Interesting. I need to, I'm writing this down because I want to find out. I always thought it got a little meltier than when I like gr- like um, pan fry halloumi. I definitely think Saganaki is the name of the dish, not the name of the cheese. But I wouldn't swear that they're using halloumi, but we should look that up. So I'm looking it up and you must be right. I think it's the name of the dish because you can do feta saganaki and mussel saganaki perhaps. Um, so it's more the dish of of having that like flambe thing happen and yeah. it uses halloumi. Okay. I didn't know that. I love it. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a, as you recognize, a little bit of a Greek inspired menu that we did in that class. And you were going to talk about the scordal- scordalia, scordalia. What is that one? So that is a Greek uh, mashed potato dip. This ver- my version incorporates some blanched almonds that I've been that have been like ground, you know, sort of almost to a paste with some garlic in the food processor. And then you fold that into the mashed potatoes and you can have it be a bit thicker and serve it more like mashed potatoes or you can do it. You can thin it out and have it be more like a dip that you could serve with like crudités or vegetables. And it's served cold, right? Crawled or room temp. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know that I've, I I would like to try your recipe because I don't know that it's ever been like one of my favorite things. I think I, it always takes me by surprise. I think I'm like, ooh, what is this dip? And I dip into it. And then I'm like, oh, kind of like cold mashed potatoes. Like, <laughs> like I'm expecting like tzatziki and it's into this other thing, right? Yes. Uh, I think the almonds help because mm-hmm. they give it a little extra note of a flavor note. But I just love potatoes so much that I'll eat them in any form. Yeah, I love them too. They are they are one of my comfort foods for sure, for sure. Okay, that is super exciting. The class went well. People liked it. They learned things. They tasted things. They seemed very happy. So it was fun. It was really, really nice. That's so cool. I love it. Meze. Now I want to have Meze myself right now. So we're doing this new thing on this show starting today where the guest that I have on tells me about how to make a recipe that they love and I don't yet know what it is. Have you chosen a recipe, Emily? I have. Okay. Big reveal. What is it? (laughs) Okay. So... 
coming off of our, the thing we were just talking about with the Scordalia, the recipe that I want to talk to the listeners today about is my dairy-free version of mashed potatoes. Oh, dairy-free mashed potatoes. That is related to the Scordalia. Very cool. And before we jump into it, is this a recipe? uh, This is one of your recipes? Is it from your site? One of your books? Where is this one located? So people can find this recipe in my most recent book, which is called Instantly Mediterranean. It is a recipe that was developed for the Instant Pot, but you absolutely don't need to have an Instant Pot. You can do this on the stovetop as well. And when I talk to you about it, I'm going to talk about both the Instant Pot and the stovetop version. Okay, very exciting. Let's go. How do you make a dairy-free mashed potatoes? Okay, well, first I want to just talk about why one might want to do this, right? Because I feel like it. I thought about this because holidays are coming up and mashed potatoes is something that's part of a lot of fall celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of us, right, are dealing with family members or friends who might be vegan. They might be dairy free. There might be an allergy involved. You know, people who keep kosher and they don't mix meat and dairy. So I think there's a lot of reasons why, you know, this might be a really nice recipe to have in your back pocket. I think that as is, we approach this season. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I, I think about this often that when you have something that's essentially a vegetarian dish and then you make it dairy free, it becomes available to like almost everybody who's going to be at your table because you know I do a I do a dairy like a meat like a vegan gravy and I love it because it means that anybody at the table can pretty much pour that on whatever part other parts of the meal they're going to have and they can add gravy to it you know what I mean yeah totally it's yeah it's like it just yeah it makes your table that much more friendly and welcoming Mm -hmm. right Yeah, yeah super inclusive I love that okay so how do you make these Okay. So first of all, what we're going to do is I want to encourage everyone, if you're making mashed potatoes, steam your potatoes instead of boil them. So that's the first thing. Oh, talk talk to me about this. (laughs) So a couple reasons why I like this. Your potatoes don't get waterlogged. They don't lose any of their nutrition. And yes, potatoes are nutritious. They get a bad rap, but they are nutritious. Fair, fair. Um, as long as they keep their nutrients and you're not just draining them down the, the sink, draining all the nutrients down the sink in the water. Gotcha. Exactly. We I think everyone knows that when you boil any kind of vegetables in water, you're, some of the nutrients are leaching out into the water. So you're going to keep all the nutrition in. They're not going to get waterlogged and they're going to be extra fluffy. So this is really easy to do in an instant pot because what you can do is you can just, you pour a cup of water in the bottom of your instant pot. You put the little rack on and then you put the potatoes in like a colander or a steamer basket. But of course you can just as easily do this on the stovetop. People know they can steam stuff on their stove as well. So it's really a very similar technique. You want to start with your potatoes peeled And cut into maybe like one inch cubes, you know, just sort of chunk them up, put them in that colander or that steamer basket. Again, if you're using the Instant Pot, it's a cup of water in the bottom of the Instant Pot, place the colander on the rack. If you're doing it in the stove top, get a nice big Dutch oven, put your steamer basket or your colander in. You want water just sort of to touch the bottom of that basket or that colander. Bring the water to a boil. No salt yet? Not yet. Okay. I... I... (laughs) 
<laughs> I think, you know what? I, I'll just say, like, working in my parents' restaurants and stuff, obviously, we were boiling big pots of potatoes all the time. And the, like, is the water salted question was always, like, you peel a bunch of potatoes, you put them in water, you put them off to the side, and then you need to remember later, did we salt this or not? So we always had these, like, sticky notes, salted or unsalted, that we would stick to the pots because salt is so important to cooking potatoes. But what you're doing here, they do not need to be salted before they're cooked. Right, exactly. And when I'm boiling potatoes, I salt the water aggressively, just like yeah. when I'm boiling pasta. Yeah. But in this one, I we're going to salt it later. Okay, cool. So you want to bring that water to a boil. Again, on the stovetop, you would bring the water to a boil. In the Instant Pot, it's super simple. Put the lid on. You're going to set your cooking program for it's eight minutes at, you know, high pressure. So mm-hmm. super easy for your Instant Pot. If you're doing it on the stove, bring that water to a boil and then get your potatoes in their little basket or colander in there, cover it, turn the heat down to medium. They're probably going to need about 15 to 20 minutes Mm. steamed, but you want them that fork, you know, tender, Mm -hmm. right? You put a knife in or tines of a fork in and they're going to just go through with no resistance. And it's just taking longer than when you boil them because air is not what is that conducting the heat as well as the water would be okay exactly there you know this steaming takes a bit longer not terribly longer but you would think i'm I'm wondering if if you're doing this you want your potatoes to be a little bit smaller like i sometimes make mashed potatoes when i'm boiling them and i'm like almost just having the potatoes like it doesn't matter because they're gonna cook no problem you want them to make sure you said one inch chunks you want to really do that because otherwise you're going to be waiting a long time that's exactly right. And yeah. it's going to take a long, it would take a long time for the steam to go all the way to the yeah. center of a big, yeah. those yeah. bigger yeah. pieces. Yeah. yeah, got it. Got it. Okay. Then what? So first of all, all right. So then say your, your potatoes, you're either on your, if you're using the instant pot, your cooking program's done, you're on the stove, they're nice and tender. Don't throw out that water that was at the bottom of the instant pot or at the bottom of your pan, save it. Okay. Cause it's gotten starchy now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to use it. But I sh- I'm going to take a step back while the potatoes are cooking, either on the again, in your instant pot or on the stove, what I want what you're going to do is you're going to get a little little bitty your smallest little saucepan, and you're going to put in about a sort of scant half of a cup, say half of a cup of olive oil. Don't freak out. It's a lot of olive oil. But remember, no dairy. Okay, okay. And you're going to put, well, we could, you could even do, you could do a little bit less, but let's say a half a cup approximately. You're going to put some garlic cloves, peeled, but not chopped up, whole peeled garlic cloves in maybe, it's up to your heart's content, but a lot. Uh, I sem- I do nine for three oh. pounds of potatoes, guys. Oh, and is that, I was actually just literally writing down how much potatoes did we start with to ask later. So it's three pounds of potatoes peeled and then in one inch chunks to start. And then for that, you do the olive oil, a half cup. I have a question before we proceed. Those potatoes in the Instant Pot, was that a natural release or a quick release? Quick release. Okay. Quick release of pressure from the Instant Pot. No releasing of pressure required if you're doing it on the stove. Okay. So you've got half a cup of olive oil in a little saucepan with like nine or 10 cloves of peeled garlic in there. Yep. And a sprig or two of rosemary if you're a rosemary fan. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. And you're just going to want to put that on a very low, low simmer. Um, if you've, if your stovetop's got one of those like little burners, that's sort of for like, like low simmers, use that one. And you're just going to keep while the 20 minutes or so that it's taking for your potatoes to cook, just keep that on that low, low simmer. And basically what's going to happen is you're going to be poaching those garlic cloves in the olive oil. Oh my goodness. And it's going to infuse the olive oil with that garlic and rosemary flavor. I don't need the potatoes. I can just eat the olive oil with a spoon at this point. (laughs) Or the garlic cloves. (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. Or dip some bread in it. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking you have to add an extra like two or three cloves of garlic at the beginning so that you can eat them before. Because I'm assuming this is all going into the potatoes, but I want to eat some of them. So yeah. I'm going with 12 cloves of garlic to start. Okay. Got it. You know what? I never thought of that, but that's actually a brilliant idea. Like put in some extra garlic cloves because now you've got this sort of like poached gar- soft garlic. You can mash it into anything mm-hmm. or spread it on bread. So then, you, so say your potatoes are done, whether it was stovetop or Instant Pot, you've reserved that cooking water and you've drained your potatoes, reserving the cooking water. I have to keep saying it because otherwise I know you guys are going to be dumping that water down the sink, have right? You, have you heard my tip for remembering to get your pasta water? Do you know this one? No? Tell me. Okay. So as soon as a recipe says, I'm reading the recipe and it says res- like reserve a cup of water before draining or whatever. I immediately go and get my colander, I put it in the sink, and I put a measuring cup in it. And that way when I'm about I, – I, I feel like I people think I'm going to say pour it through the measuring cup. No, no, no. It's just as soon as you go, you're carrying your big pot of pasta or potatoes, and you get to the sink, ready to drain it, and then you see the measuring cup, and you go, oh, stop, go back, scoop, now drain, right? That's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I do it all the time. Um, okay, guys, so do that because that's brilliant. And then and once you've drained your potatoes – Get them right back into either that Dutch oven or that pot or back into your Instant Pot. Put it on a super low flame or that saute setting on your Instant Pot Mm -hmm. and just toss them for a minute or two because it's going to just dry them out a little bit more. Maybe you guys already know that trick from mashed potatoes, but that's a great trick. Well, and and I do know it and it's because drier potatoes are fluffier potatoes, right? Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of the whole point, right? Of why we're steaming them to begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what you're going to do is you're going to start mashing them. You can either do it right in your Instant Pot or on the same, again, using the same pot that you cook them in and start gradually adding that garlic infused olive oil as you're mashing. I would discard the rosemary because it gets Mm -hmm. a little yucky and it's kind of done what it's, it's given up all its flavor, Mm -hmm. but obviously we're going to save those garlic cloves and we're going to incorporate them. So wait, so just start mashing. But you're not adding the garlic cloves now. You're just adding the olive oil or you're just pouring in some of the garlic as well as you go. Yeah, exactly. So just you can start pouring it. You can either save the garlic cloves, you know, and kind of maybe mash them with a fork a little bit and then add them. It makes it a teeny bit easier or just start if your garlic looks really soft, mm-hmm. just pour the olive oil and into the potatoes. And then if some cloves grow in great, keep mashing mm-hmm. and just you're just going to keep doing that. You're going to this is when you want to start salting it. And to the extent that you find that the potatoes are a little thick or a little bit gummy, that's when you're going to add that reserved cooking water. Mm-hmm. That's nice and starchy and it's still quite warm, um, hopefully. And that's, you're going to use that to thin out your potatoes as you go. And then that's just, that's all it is, is starting to incorporate the olive oil, the garlic cloves, reserved cooking water and mashing salt and pepper until you get them the way that you like. I love this so much. There's so many new like techniques and brilliant ideas in here. I want to ask something. I have a, I don't know if it's still on the website. I might've taken it down, but there was for a long time, an olive oil mashed potatoes recipe on my site. And one of the things that I loved so much about it was that the olive oil gives them this like yellowish color, which I think my brain interprets as buttery. Like I look at the, uh, do yours have that kind of a little bit of a yellow tint from the olive oil too? Yes. And it particularly works well if you use those Yukon gold potatoes, which Mm -hmm. kind of have a little bit of a yellowy tinge to them. Mm -hmm. 
and I think have a buttery flavor just kind of naturally. So that's a really nice choice is to use the Yukon Golds and you're going to get a beautiful yellow color from the potato, from the olive oil. And yeah, I think it tr- it makes your mind just think like, oh, these are going to be delicious. Yes. Oh, I love this so much. So people can get this recipe. It, well, we just explained it very thoroughly so they could listen again if they need to, but they can get it in your cookbook. Where is the best place for them to find that? Again, that, this cookbook's, um, it came out in 2021. It's still quite readily available, certainly online. It's called Instantly Mediterranean, and it is a book of Mediterranean cuisine for the Instant Pot or other pressure cooker and the air fryer. That is fantastic. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Emily. I think that this has been a wonderful first experiment doing the <laughs> talking through a recipe. Thank you for <laughs> indulging me. And maybe just let people know where they can find you online if they want to ask questions or or see more of your work, where is the best place for them to go? Of course. So my blog is called West of the Loop, West of the Loop, all one word.com. And that is my handle on social um, as well. And um, so you can find me on Facebook is a, is a good place. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so I knew that I was going to learn some new things by doing the show this way, but that blew my mind and I cannot wait to make those potatoes. I want to tell you something funny. So last night, my friend Ed was over for dinner and I was planning to do classic British style roasted potatoes. I know I've told you about these before. This is where you parboil the potatoes first and then you toss them with hot oil and roast them in the oven and they end up nice and fluffy inside. It's the best roasted potatoes for sure. So that was my plan last night. And instead, I ended up making the opposite of Emily Pastor's steamed potatoes. What I did was I was parboiling the potatoes. And then we went and sat down and we had these like meatball appetizer sort of things. And we're talking. And I forgot that I'd turn the potatoes on and they just boiled and boiled and boiled, boiled over. They got so soft. There was no way that those potatoes were going to be turned into roasted potatoes. So I drained them and mashed them. And yeah, like I said, it was the opposite of Emily's steamed potatoes. These were like soft, squishy, wet mashed potatoes. They were still tasty, but they were not the same. I am going to intentionally try to make Emily's potatoes soon, and those will be much better than the potatoes I had with Ed last night. Sorry, Ed. So yeah, I really hope that you enjoyed that and that you learned something great. I will put all of Emily's contact information where you can find more about her, her books, everything in the show notes for this podcast episode. Or if you head to cookthestory.com slash ROTD, you will see her lovely picture there. You could click on it and get all of the information there as well. Okay, so time for an update about what is going on in my kitchen and culinary world. The lovely Jennifer has been over again. She is helping me in the kitchen and she is so good. I swear she reads my mind. She's handing me things before I realize I need them, which has turned out to be so helpful. We're often doing um, videos and photo shoots while she's here. And so, you know, I'm stirring something, it's messy and I need to put it down somewhere. And she's just like grabbing it from me miraculously out of the blue 
ether she comes and I just hand it to her and move on with my video. It's great. So we had a wonderful cooking day and we made some hamburger gravy. This was inspired by that bacon gravy recipe that I've had go viral just about everywhere now. It went really viral on TikTok. It has almost 3 million views on Facebook at this point. You've probably seen it. If you like to cook, you've probably seen my bacon gravy recipe on Facebook, even if you don't know you've seen it. But a lot of the comments in the bacon gravy have been people saying, oh, what about ground beef gravy? And so I had to try it. It is really delicious. That was really fun. We also did a reshoot of the glazed ham steak because I'd screwed up the video for that. So we redid that. I'll tell you what I screwed up. I was trying to make the ham steaks kind of stay together and look nice. And they were kind of falling apart where like the meat is separated from each other in like pieces. So I'd put toothpicks trying to hold the piece of meat together. But then in the video, you just see these like weird pieces of ham with like toothpicks all over the place. And so I had to reshoot that without the toothpicks. So we did that. We did some air fryer turkey meatballs. Oh, those were the meatballs I was having with Ed while the potatoes boiled over. I had those left over from the cooking day. Really, really good air fryer turkey meatballs. Have them however you want. But the way that we had them last night was I mixed Parmesan cheese and mozzarella cheese with tomato sauce and then heated it up in the microwave and warmed up the meatballs in the air fryer and then tossed them together and had them with garlic toast. They were so good. We also did a boneless turkey breast roast. You've probably seen these in the like frozen meat section of the grocery store. I think they're often like Butterball brand, maybe Jenny O. It's like a little frozen mini, almost football shaped, but like rounder turkey thing that's in packaging. You can't see what's inside. I've always wondered about them. And I had a question on the site, somebody asking me how to cook them. I was like, I don't know, I'm going to find out. And it was delicious. I did the turkey brine that I love, the one that has raw onion and garlic and herbs all in the food processor together, blended up, and then salt. And then you put the turkey in there just for one hour because it was small enough that really penetrated. It soaked up all the flavor and it actually had skin on it. I wasn't expecting that. So I rubbed the whole thing in butter, softened butter, and then roasted it with a probe thermometer inside to make sure that I got the temperature like exactly right, not overcooked. It was delicious. Like I think I might just make three of those for Thanksgiving dinner this year. So, so, so good. I also got some turkey tenderloins, which I spotted at the grocery store at the same time as I was looking for these boneless turkey breast roasts, and I've never cooked them before. So I got three packs of the turkey tenderloins and experimented with those. Those recipes are all going to be coming soon to cook the story. Oh, some of them might be on the cookful, as well as videos, pictures, all of that going up on social media. So stay tuned for those. I'll let you know when they're up. As to what is going up on the site this week, actually, the boneless turkey breast recipe is going up. We're rushing that one because we want to make sure that it is up in time for people to see it before Thanksgiving. So that is going up. The glazed ham steak is going up this week. I was just talking about that one without the toothpick. So that one's really nice. You actually sprinkle the ham steaks with like a brown sugar and spice mixture as they're cooking in butter. Then you take them out of the pan once they're done and you add chopped pineapple to it. And that soaks up all the rest of the syrup that's down in the pan. Really, really nice. And then finally, the Velveeta mac and cheese recipe is going up on the cookful this week. I really love this. This is literally like two ingredient mac and cheese. You have the Velveeta in chunks, you boil the pasta, you have to get some pasta water out, and then you're stirring it all together and it melts and makes a really luscious, creamy, velvety Velveeta sauce. 
you're going to like it. I promise. And then what have I got for you on recipe of the day on this podcast on the week ahead? Well, coming to you tomorrow morning, I am doing the scandalous well done steak recipe. This has gotten me into so much trouble on social media because people are like, oh, if my family liked well done steak, they wouldn't be living with me anymore kind of comments, which are, you know, whatever. Um, the premise behind this is that there are people in my household who prefer their steak well done, and I have not kicked them out of the house. Instead, I have found out how to make the best possible juicy and delicious well done steak to make them happy and so that I can still have steak because I can do mine medium and I can do theirs well done and everybody's happy. I'll be telling you about that. I'm telling you my favorite way to heat up corn tortillas. I've got a garlic butter chicken recipe. Oh, that glazed ham steak and the Velveeta mac and cheese. Those are coming to you this week as well. Lots of delicious stuff, those recipes and more. So make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you see these in your podcast feed every day. Easiest way to do that is to go to cookthestory.com slash ROTD and then subscribe with one of the buttons there. If you're on your phone when you go there, so on your phone, go to cookthestory.com slash ROTD. And then if you click on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any of those there, it will take you to those apps that you have on your phone and to my show. And then you click subscribe or follow. And that's how you do that. Or if the way that you listen to podcasts is not there, it's not at cookthestory.com slash ROTD, no problem. Go to your podcast app and search for recipe of the day. I guarantee you it's there. We're all over the place. I want to say thank you so much for listening. And if you like the new show format, please let me know. You can send me an email, christine at cookthestory.com, or let me know on social media, Facebook, Instagram messages. I find it hard to get to the Facebook messages for the Cook the Story Facebook page sometimes. Um, I, I do get to them eventually, but it's kind of complicated. I, I can't even explain it. It's not the best way to reach me. Instagram direct messages are definitely great. TikTok works, email, like I said, or our Facebook group, cookthestory.com com slash group will take you there and you can leave a comment about the new show format there as well. Thank you so much, Emily Pastor, for being my guinea pig. Definitely go check out her site, westoftheloop.com and that wonderful cookbook, Instantly Mediterranean. I know you're going to love it. I'm Christine Pittman from cookthestory.com, thecookful.com, the all new chicken cookbook and from this podcast, Recipe of the Day. I hope you have a great weekend. Let's get cooking. (laughs) 